Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of The School for Dumb Women, the podcast where we answer the most important questions in life, like how does a cheese grater work? And what is a dog? I'm your host woman, still picks her spots at the age of 26, despite 10 years of being told not to, Hannah Farrell. With me is, went to the doctor about visible pores, Alexandra Haddo. Pores are caused by having a face. The best solution is a paper bag. And professional blackhead squeezer, Caroline O'Donoghue. All I want in a man is honesty, loyalty, and one really juicy blackhead just at the back of his neck. Well, as we wait for that dystopia to descend upon us, let's start the show. This week, we're learning about minimal furniture made by bearded men, communal baths that tickle your bum, and a man dressed as a sweaty pink blob who won the nation's heart. Alex, you look like you've just done a jobby in the lobby. What the hell is going on? Uh, well, Caroline, that's actually to do with my segment this week. Uh, do you remember the popular song, Mr. Blobby, done a jobby in the lobby? No. <laughs> no, I don't. No. My section this week is on Mr. Blobby. I remember right. Mr. Blobby, but not that song. Well, I think that was just a sort of chant that went round. It wasn't his official single. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, because that's a bad marketing move. Yes. You've got a beloved children's character that just shits in the mezzanine. Yeah. <laughs> I say mezzanine. <laughs> I find Mr. Blobby inherently funny. I mean, the name, I can't say it without smiling. You can hear it in my voice that I'm trying not to crack. And today when I was researching him, I had tears running down my cheeks because I was laughing so much. The How's con- it going at your new job then? Yeah. <laughs> I'm nearly crying now. The new girl is quivering with laughter yeah. silently and now over, she's weeping. Over Mr. Blobby. Over Mr. Blobby. Your screen versus yeah. your face must have been a very strange yeah. dichotomy. I've never really thought about how weird Mr. Blobby was. I mean, well, you do, but sort of not consciously. He's just like a funny character that was on Noel's house party, right? Yeah, I think uh, back in the day, I don't remember thinking he was weird at all. And now I just, you know, since you said I'm going to do Mr. Blobby, I'm like, fucking hell, how did that work? <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody questioned it at the time. Yeah. He just Anyway, basically, I was reading his Wikipedia page when I was crying with laughter. Because um, obviously he came he came to pass okay. on uh, Noel Edmonds house party Noel's house party in the nineties, um, and he was uh, you know he's a big pink blob with yellow <laughs> spots and goggly eyes and a big mouth, and all he does is run around crashing into things, shouting <laughs> blobby 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 blobby. 
think. I don't know why, but it's hilarious. As as a design, like the character design looks like somebody who is trying to make venereal disease fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like trying to destigmatize it, really. Yeah, like gonorrhea can, <laughs> yeah. can be fun if you get rid of it or something. <laughs> um, yeah, and like the way the Wikipedia page is mentioned, it's so serious, but it's talking, you know, like at one point it refers to him as Blobby as if that's his surname. <laughs> So it was like blobby featured on 1993. <laughs> As if it was like saying Beckham or something. Yeah, yeah exactly like that. So I was cracking up. Um, so he was on Noel's house party. He was just a weird, funny character. So apparently he started off, he was supposed to be like actually doing something as a character, like in the game show or whatever. But like the costume was so fucking ridiculous that they just realised <laughs> that it was funnier if he just crashed out <laughs> and didn't do anything. So uh, who who conceived of the character? Uh, it was conceived by a writer, a comedy writer called Charlie Adams. Right. But the guy inside him was called... Barry Killerby, right? <laughs> Killerby. Yeah, Killerby. Uh, apart from when sometimes Noel Edmonds, at the start, uh, Noel Edmonds would kind of be inside it when he was playing right. a prank, but then it would be like he was with Noel Edmonds. Yeah. And it was he Barry. was a scab yeah. for Blobby. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Barry Killerby is a Shakespearean actor. No. Wow. Yeah. And it seems that playing, it says in the sun, reputable source, mm. that uh, playing the part of the squidgy character was no walk <laughs> in the park. I'm sorry, <laughs> the squidgy character. <laughs> and Barry Killaby was quoted as saying, people think it's easy bouncing around saying blobby blobby, but they should try it. <laughs> and there's a picture of him like in a Mark Twain like adaptation on the sun wearing like a sort of wow. uh, renaissance wig and just you know, looking the opposite of Blobby basically but that wow. was it's quite handsome it's like Steve Coogan actually yeah essentially his pivotal role and he said it was exhausting and demanding <laughs> um, so well physically I imagine he was roasting in there it didn't look light it yeah. was not a lightweight costume yeah um, and he also like he was on uh Noel's house party, but he also made appearances on The Generation Game, Dead Ringers, Harry Hill's TV Burp, Dick and Dom, and Next Saturday Night Takeaway, Peter Kay's Is This the Way to Anne Marillo like, video, Big Fat Quiz of the 90s, like lo- the last leg. Wow, his IMDb must be full. Loads of stuff, and also. Working was... more than Noel Fielding in the early 90s. <laughs> <No. laughs> it, it sounds like something Noel Fielding would come up with, actually, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but also, there's a, there's a brilliant thing on The Guardian. US, which is an article that says, Mr. Blobby Does America, a beginner's guide for all his new stateside fans, trying to explain Mr. Blobby. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, I mean, how can you? The thing is absolutely bonkers. So do they ever attempt to, like, uh, retrospectively give him, like, an origin story? Like, he comes from the land of Blob or anything? No. They didn't even try to furnish this character. (laughs) Also, there's a section on his Wikipedia page labelled Criticism. And this is my favourite critique <laughs> of dying. all time. I'm dying. In March 1994, Elizabeth Colbert of the New York Times <laughs> wrote, Mr. Blobby's rise to stardom has provoked anguished commentaries about just what he stands for. Some commentators <sighs> have called him a metaphor for a nation gone soft in the head. Others have seen him as proof of Britain's deep-seated attraction to trash. <laughs> Which I just wow. think makes me love wrong, him more. Is she? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
But there's something brilliant about how crap he was. I mean, the, the head didn't even fit on the body. It just sort of <laughs> sat on the body. There was no neck or anything that it flapped about. Yeah. And it just went blobby, 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 blobby. Yeah, it was It was like, um, I mean, I've already said it's like a venereal disease, but also if you go to those shit kids clubs on holidays where they just have like a random mascot emblem. Yeah. just like... They've just bought a shit costume yeah. off the internet. Yeah, yeah, completely. And like, oh, it it's Sammy Squirrel or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. But for some reason, on a national platform. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Is Mr. Blobby like the best joke of the 90s? I think he is. Because it is like it was conceived as a joke, right? Like they knew yeah, that yeah, it was yeah. funny and it was stupid. It was supposed to be at first. It's not like something yeah. that should have been serious and then they were like, oh, everyone's laughing at this. Yeah. Oh, like like the room or something. Well, yeah. as, I, as I said, originally it was Noel Edmonds inside and it used to be when he played Gotcha. You know, like when he played a prank on people, and then he would come out and, and he would take the the head of Mr. Blobby oh, off and God, be like, "I wish, I wish the oh, reveal was the other way around." Yeah. <laughs> well, the point is, I was reading an article today that said they had to then change him to a character to be with Noel because Mr. Blobby became so well known that people knew they were getting pranked. Well, yeah, oh. of course. <laughs> I know something's fucking awry. Yeah. Don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a large, like, pink melting ice cream syphilitic <laughs> kids club mascot in your hometown. Um, Mr. Blobby's also got a Twitter. Oh. Um, and I'm not joking. All it is is Blobby Blob. <laughs> blob. April 17th. Blobby. And then Blobby Blobby Blob at Jack Whitehall Blobby Blob. Oh my god. It's just, I mean... I'd I, love to be the social media manager with that gig. I'm <laughs> just... I can't get over it. I like, And also... Uh, Mr. Blobby had a number one single for three weeks. Wow. Yeah, I think I recall this, yeah. Um, and yeah, he was uh, Blobby's... 19- That's what, that was what made me laugh. That's when they referred to him like it was Becca. It was like, Blobby's 1993 <laughs> Christmas release, Mr. Blobby, right. <laughs> which topped the UK singles charts for three weeks, is regarded by many as the worst single and indeed song of all time. Oh, my Aww. goodness. I actually I remember um, when I was a teenager and there was a crazy frog was happening and, oh, yeah. and people were talking about how stupid that was and how it was like that New Yorker person like how it was almost a sign of end times how stupid the youth have gotten yeah. and I was like y'all embraced Mr. Blobby yeah <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I know, I'd love to know like like Blobby, like Crazy Frog, like Gangnam Style. Like, how come every few years, like the nation or the world, just goes like, "This is dumb and makes no sense, but yeah. we love it." Yeah, <laughs> and I love that, and that's what I love about Blobby. He epitomizes a simpler time, <laughs> and I think we're ready for his resurgence. We could have him as a guest on. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, just every question we ask, just like Blobby, Blobby. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much as intelligent as us. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> And now it's time for our fairly new segment, Women with Dough. Ah, is Richard Danu here today? Richard Danu is not here again. Oh, it's God. so annoying, actually. Richard. No, he's actually in his tax haven in Barbados this week, I'm afraid, Hannah. Oh, OK. Yeah, he's uh, he broke into some ices. So uh, <laughs> oh, say what you like about Richard Lucky Danu, pup. I know. What's he like? <laughs> he's a scamp. He's a cheeky chappy. He really is. He's like the Anton Deck of taxes. Of, yeah, personal finance. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, this week's Women with Dough is on joint accounts. Ooh. Ooh. Women with Dough, do 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 do. So he said, I, well, I posed the question to Richard and you earlier today uh, while we were on Skype. Uh, should you ever get a joint account or just finish your relationship then and there? Mm, excellent question. So I did want to ask you guys as functional humans with significant others, if you don't mind sharing, uh, do, do you have joint accounts? Um, yeah, but mostly we pay Emmanuel in cash, so... Oh, 
uh, no, no, not uh, oh, a shared account, oh, not an account for your joints. Right. Well, no, this is actually very, very shameful, and I'm going to probably lose my feminism badge for this. But when we first moved in together, Gavin said, the bills will come out of my account and just forward me £140 every month. And I said, great. And I set up a direct debit. I never questioned the breakdown of that. <gasps> For all oh. I know, he could be robbing me in plain sight, but I don't mind because he does all the bill work. But what if it's, it's your fair, name yeah. on the account and he's just like, in about two years, you're going to get bailiffs at your door. Oh my God. Being we like, haven't been paying for our water or our council tag. And he'll maybe. Just be off. Because like, yeah, I mean, we've been living together for almost three years. £140 a month. That adds up. That's enough for a flight to Barbados. Yeah, you for sure. Visit Richard on you. I know. God, it's his long con. But so no, we actually don't have a joint account. But you do have a joint account, don't you, Hannah? Yes, me and Aaron, we do have a joint account. Um, it's just for bills, rent, and so many supermarket trips. Like, it's the most depressing account to look at ever. It's like, council, energy, water, Tesco, 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 Sainsbury's. But how do you how do you navigate the relationship in case one of you's like, oh, I went on a night out because I'm just waiting for my paycheck and I used the joint account. Oh, no, no, no. Doom! That's not allowed. That's not okay. Unless we're both on a night out together, in which case we can buy we can buy rounds of people if we're feeling very flush. Mm. Uh, but no, we both have our own separate accounts, which I think is a good way to do it. Uh, Richard and you've got a few tips if you want to open a joint account right. with your partner. Uh, number one is don't. Um, <laughs> number two is if you must... Uh, make sure you get a private investigator to search through all of their credit history since God, birth. that's a good point. Mm. Um, because, you know, nothing says I trust you like a financial investigation. Okay? <laughs> Number three, find something that you can hold against them in case you ever break up and they screw you over. Yeah. yeah. Um, or make sure, if possible, that you have the ability to take all the money out of the account and close the account on your own oh. without their signature. I don't, know if that's a thing. I don't know if that's a thing. Have you been sleeping with Richard Danu? <laughs> that sounds like one, Funny of his, you should say. one of his tips. You're looking very tanned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're saying also that you use it as your fuck-off fund, basically. Yeah. Um, a fuck-off fund is where you have a sort of secret pot of money in case you need to leave your life and up sticks basically mm. don't rely on your partner for don't be caught out financially don't be you know broke and you can't get out of a situation because mm. you're relying on somebody else yeah. um richard and you never has to do that because of all of his schemes sorry uh, yeah a fuck off on is great though because even if it's really really small if you just get it to slightly above your month's rent yeah so like if you've ever had one of those jobs that you really really hate or an employer that you really hate and just to have that thing in the back of your mind being like i could tell you to go fuck yourself right now <laughs> That's a really nice thing, actually. And yeah. and I, I would have a month's rent and it would be fine kind of thing. Yeah. And, and sometimes even just knowing that you could do that and that you're actually not trapped is the psychic, like, levity that you need to get through that month. You are wiser than I've Richard always had a fuck-off fund. Yeah. <laughs> Since I was 21, I've had a fuck-off fund. Wow. See, I have nothing. I mean, yeah, I have nothing. I need that. <laughs> I have my tax account. Maybe I'll use that. <laughs> tax account? Oh, hey. As in, you know, that I had to put aside for freelance stuff. Oh, yeah. no, this is getting serious. Maybe I should just ask a, ma- a random man on the street if he wants to share my tax account with me. <laughs> then I can have a joint account. Lovely. No, don't. Don't do it. My parents do have a joint account and they've been married for 35 years. How long have they been divorced for? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Five? Six? <laughs> and they never had one, which I think tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> so those are the tips from Richard Danu. Hopefully he'll be here in two weeks' time. But um, he hasn't made the last 
three sessions since we employed him. We're paying him quite a lot, aren't we, as well? Yeah, no, actually, we're paying him out of uh, my joint account, I think. Oh, so, shit. Don't tell Harren. Yeah, okay, <laughs> good. Okay, yeah, so tune in uh, two more weeks' time for some more tips from Richard and you. <laughs> Caroline, when I'm inside you, I feel like I've got a higher chance of getting a urine infection. Is this true? It absolutely is, Hannah, if I were a jacuzzi tub. Ah. Uh, I mean, you've got a you've got a medium, medium high risk of catching a disease from me. But in, in the <laughs> yeah. world in which I am speaking to you as my subject this week, which is jacuzzi tubs, you have an incredibly high chance of catching something horrible from oh, me. Oh, no. Um, I say this as somebody who has recently spent a lot of time in a jacuzzi tub. Ooh, brag. Never go into a jacuzzi tub. Really? Yeah, seriously. Okay, it's anecdote time. It was my birthday last week. And uh, as part of my birthday present, my parents uh, gifted me and my partner. (laughs) We're going out for four years now, so he's my partner. Yeah, he's your partner. (laughs) Um, They they got us um, like a weekend in a five-star hotel in Kerry. Uh, Which, yeah, I mean... Thanks, Mom and Dad. It's absolutely amazing. Woo-hoo. And uh, like all great hotels, there's a lovely leisure suite with a sauna, oh, steam room, dreamy. pool, Aww. jacuzzi. Obviously, first thing we did after christening the sheets was, <laughs> <laughs> was um, uh, we went to try all of these lovely leisure center facilities. Obviously. Went to the jacuzzi, a little bit sexy, new bikini, M&S, £16, thank you very much. Yeah, um, attractive and sensible. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we all, we kind of were sitting there in the hot tub and like it's in this beautiful, like, uh, under this glass sort of conservatory thing and we're watching the sun going down over Ireland and it's it's lovely we're giving each other little foot rubs oh lovely I'm there I'm there in my mind Uh, I'm Gav though which is weird (laughs) (laughs) Um, fast forward to 12 hours later and we are mildly certain that we have somehow given each other chlamydia. No. Because romantic. he is like having a proper, I'm sorry, Gav, if you're listening, you never do. But <laughs> <laughs> he's having a proper sit down man wee, which you know is a problem when yeah, a man's having yeah. a sit down wee. <laughs> and he's like, I've got, I've got a UTI. And I was like, I usually say that. This is weird. And uh, I ha- um, was coming down with a case of major thrush. <gasps> and we were kind of, obviously, you know, we've a long committed relationship, but we had this kind of like, Ha ha ha! You didn't fuck anyone, did you? <laughs> yeah, ha, yeah. Ha, ha, sort of thing. La 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 la. But also, yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was hard. I mean, yeah, I had full on thrush. You had full on UTI, and uh, awful. And I was like, why? Why has this happened? And we were kind of pondering it for ages. And we're like, oh, it's because we spent an hour in a jacuzzi, and they are literal shit broth. Oh. <laughs> that is what a jacuzzi oh. is: is shit broth, recycled shit broth. Other recycled people's shit broth. broth? You gotta think about it, right? So you're sitting in a jacuzzi. So it's warm. It's warm water, right? Yeah. It's a very, very small little space. There's chlorine in it as well, but chlorine actually does very, very little to clean germs away. Right. There is like so many little germs that like come off, like little fragments of poo that are still in your bum. Ah! Um, that are just cooking in this because yes you get this in a pool because obviously children pee in pools and there are germs in there but it's quite cool pools they're the temperature yeah. um, whereas you literally you higher the temperature on something like a jacuzzi it's just a broth of stewing yeah, like germs multiply in the heat don't exactly they? Like yeah. nice hot poo bath and that, you're having a nice hot poo bath <laughs> oh, is what God. you're having and, and they're like toted as a sexy thing as well I know yeah. I know um, and like 
as well. And, and you might remember from our episode on thrush, the number one sort of like, you know, mathematical equation to get a yeast infection is polyester, warm temperatures, moist conditions. Yeah. Like, perfect. M&S bikini, 17 pounds. I think I mentioned earlier on. giant vaginas. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sitting there like in this sort of polyester bikini in this hot water that's also got shit particles in it. <laughs> How are you not oh, going to get a disease? I always, th- I'm just thinking of like all the rap songs where it's like, you know, come to my hotel, get in the jacuzzi, <laughs> but replacing jacuzzi with a hot poo bath. <laughs> like, hey girl, come to my hot poo bath. Brothy oh. poo. Penthouse so, poo bath. Oh. Can we never take a jacuzzi bath ever again? Is that the new rule? Uh, I think the new rule, if you're going to take a jacuzzi bath, um, first of all, you know, make sure it's a pretty nice establishment. But again, this was a very nice establishment and yeah. it's happened. But if you are, um, wash yourself down thoroughly afterwards. Don't stick around in the swimsuit that you've been in. Right. Because um, that is a no-go area. And just pray to God, really. <laughs> pray. And also never have sex in a jacuzzi, I'd imagine. No, I would never do that anyway. I mean, sex in water is the worst thing yeah. in the world. As we discussed uh, as, last week. As we, women yeah. everywhere, I feel like, discuss after two wines. Never <laughs> <laughs> try to have sex in a body of water. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. But, um, you know, as disgusted as I am by jacuzzis, I thought we'd look into the history of the jacuzzi in general. And Ooh. it's um less gross, but, you know, it's still interesting. Um, So, the word jacuzzi, where do you think it comes from? Italy. Oh. Correct. Oh. Sounds, sounds Italian, doesn't it? It, it does have Italian. It's actually the name of four Italian brothers. <gasps> right. Oh, I'm getting a bit turned on now. Yeah, but, um, I saw a picture of them. They're not not hot. You know oh, what I mean? Okay. I'll take you that. definitely would. I mean, they're all black and white pictures because these guys were living at the beginning of the 20th century. And the deal with these guys is that they're um, four brothers. They were like massively into engineering. And um, during the First World War, they came to America and they created these um, propeller blades, these very, very small propeller blades um, that helped like revolutionize planes during that period. They had a military contract and um, yeah, they became jacuzzi blades because the name was so memorable. That's what they started being called. And uh, after like the war ended, they kind of didn't, they lost their contract. They didn't really have anything to do. So Mm. they... um, they decided that they were going to get into commercial airlines because that was sort of the beginning of that happening. And uh, they tried to create all these airplanes and they basically failed at them or, or they never took off and they said they were just plighted. <laughs> quite literally. Yeah, it quite oh. never took off, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, the whole thing just sort of failed. But because they had such kind of a memorable, fun name, they started using the propeller blades in the jacuzzi tubs to but sort of like they discover that? the they, water at you. Were they trying to like sink one of their planes because they were like, I've had it up to here with you. I don't stuck know. Stuck it in and then we're like, this tingles. <laughs> this is good though. <laughs> I'm in the mood now. Yeah, I actually don't know. I haven't researched that much because I had thrush. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was so busy. <laughs> so, so busy. Having thrush. <laughs> um... Yeah, we're having a live show in a few weeks. It's going to be really weird talking to all these strangers <laughs> who just know about my vagina so intimately. That's true. More info later. <laughs> More info later. That was a cheeky little spoiler for you guys. Also, I'm just saying that uh, Caroline's doing all of this in a silk kimono that we bought for her. <laughs> for my birthday, yes. It's a very intimate yeah. setting. Caroline, you're going to have to do the live show wearing actual clothes. I know. <laughs> if people you? knew how often I was naked <laughs> while recording this, like, or almost naked. They'd blush. They'd certainly blush. <laughs> um... So why are they seen as such a sexy thing, I wonder? I 
feel like reality TV shows did a lot for yes. me. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like maybe they did some sort of association deal with champagne. Like, yes, <laughs> definitely. You can't be drinking anything else in a, if you are drinking an alcoholic yeah. drink in a jacuzzi, can yeah. you? You have to be drinking champagne. Got to have the bubbles in the bubble yeah. bath. Bubbly Right. Yeah, bubbly Ooh. in the bubbly bath. I guess also jacuzzis are kind of expensive, right? Like, because mm. you can get baths in your home that have like jet bubble, streams, bubble yeah. jets, which isn't mm-hmm. quite the same thing, but still, that's like a kind of fancy thing to have. Mm. And so, like, if you have a jacuzzi, you're either rich enough to own it, or you're rich enough to like go to a fancy place that has jacuzzis. Yeah, like they are a luxury item. I was thinking about this actually because I always play that game with myself that like um, if I could have one rich person thing or one rich person member of staff which would I have and obviously after this weekend I have ruled out jacuzzis but also (laughs) after this weekend saunas clads they're they're much sexier right because you're all sweaty because you're sweaty and it's a very dark kind of slightly red room and you're just sitting there just covered in a towel just like artfully sweating and it's not that kind of sweat where you can see how red your skin is you can just sort of like see glistening yeah. beads yeah um, you're not going to get an infection the Finnish love them and they seem to live forever that's true um, and also you have a shower afterwards and your skin is great great I had like three saunas but in that in that two day holiday oh great okay <laughs> and right, I feel like glowing from the inside out I feel very pure I can see the skin on your entire body right now and it all looks fantastic <laughs> yes, thanks man <laughs> Great, okay, so don't have a jacuzzi. But um, have a my question for you now is what rich person thing would you have in your house? Ooh, um Oh, I'd probably have like a chef. Is that allowed? A thing. <laughs> chef <laughs> Just don't see labourers as a no. person, do you? <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. But then you have to think where would you put the chef up? You know, you'd have to oh, have Oh god, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, no, it has to be like your existing house. Oh, oh my existing god, house. Okay. Yeah, so I can't say a pool. No, you, well, yeah, you can in your existing house. <laughs> Um, I'd, no, I'd probably have more realistic. I'd probably have like a proper cinema room. Oh yeah, it's a good one with a huge screen and like some nice big sofas and like a wine cooler, and it's all dark. Yeah, yeah. and you could have like your mates round and have uh, a great night. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah Actually, yeah. I know what I would have. I, mm. I I couldn't fit a chef in, but a rich people thing that I could have would be one of those bagel cutters that they had on the OC because they were rich. What is that? <laughs> Just... A bagel, like a knife for cutting bagels. No, it's like it's like a contraption where you put the bagel in and then you push it down. Oh my god! And it cuts the bagel in two. <gasps> Hannah, get an imagination. You can have anything also, you want. Completely. I mean, that sounds really great because cutting bagels is really hard. Oh, it's so dangerous. <laughs> I've nearly cut my hand off like three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, right, guys, um, please, please tweet in with what would your rich person thing be? Because I'm fascinated to know. I think it tells a lot about the person. Well, you can bring. I the love bagel, the cinema room. You can bring the bagel cutter to the cinema room, and everyone exactly. can have bagels. And what would a weekend. film be without bagels? True. And then we'll have a steam afterwards. Oh, mm. lovely. Dummies, this is a very special dumb announcement that in celebration of Caroline's debut novel, Promising Young Women, and our first birthday, we're having a live show. Oh, amazing. Okay, we should call it like a cool crossover name, like um, Caroline's Stupid Novel or um, Dumb Caroline Book. Or Promising Dumb Women. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, if you like shit names. Well, either way, some dummy at Waterstones, Tottenham Court Road, decided to host our live show on the 21st of June 2018. And you can come. Find out how to get tickets from our Twitter or Facebook at DumbWomenPod. Or email us, DumbWomenPod at gmail.com for details. Please come. I worked very hard on my book. It is very good. I have read it. <laughs> <laughs> dummy, 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 dummy.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hannah, last time I had a wank, I went manual and shunned technology, which is a bit similar to your segment tonight, isn't it? Actually, not at all, Alex. Oh, well, I've just revealed that yeah. anyway. <laughs> no, tonight I'm talking about Quakers. So, so you said uh, they shun technology. That's not true. Oh. Um, and then we said in the intro for the podcast as well that they shift furniture around, yeah. uh, which is not a thing that I have come across in my research. But sure, maybe some Quakers do like to move furniture around. What about porridge? Are they anything to do with the porridge? No. Oh, what? Nothing what? to do with the porridge. This was actually like my grand finale fact. But since we're here, uh, <laughs> the people that um, started the Quaker Oats thing, I mean, it kind of started from like a different company and then they changed it to Quaker Oats. They just used the symbol of a Quaker because they liked it and they thought it stood for what they wanted their oats to stand for sort of authority severity trustworthiness <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what spreading oats. spreading your oats spreading your well no um, apparently they chose the quaker as the logo because um it projects the values of honesty integrity purity and strength hmm. that's kind of nice, associate right? that with the quakers yeah exactly yeah um so yeah this segment was partly inspired by your cereal segment the other day because i've always thought oh quaker oats right uh, which we now know is not true um, and it's also inspired by my friend David, long-time listener of the podcast. Hi, David. Hi, David. Hi, Dave. Oh. Where's that phone call? Dave. <laughs> um, yeah, and I met David's friend Chris um, at a birthday party, and he works for the Quakers. And I was kind of a pain in the ass and spent like an hour sitting next to him being like, no, tell me more about the Quakers. Yeah, super interesting, like, though. Every so often he'd be like, I'm boring you now. And I'd be like, you're really not. <laughs> what do you mean you he don't... works for the Quakers? So he he works for the British Quakers. It's a religion and it's like a, you know, a company in the way that you I was going to say, is, like it, is it a religion? Or... But what's the, how come they've got their whole aesthetic that like hipsters now like? Yeah. <laughs> They're the only religion that's like, you associate with a lovely wooden chair. <laughs> <laughs> with a nice beard. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I sort of, I wanted to find out what Quakers were all about because I really didn't know much about them until I met Chris the other day. And so I asked him some questions over email so that I couldn't misquote him. Misquake him. Misquake oh. him. <laughs> Quaking all over. 
<laughs> so I asked her, what does being a Quaker involve? And what does a Quaker meeting involve? Because like it's a religion and part of it is that you will meet up and have meetings, like the equivalent of going to church or something. Are they Christian? Yeah, mostly, yeah. Um, and he said, being a Quaker is very much just one part of my identity and the same is true for many or most Quakers. It's about living your life true to Quaker values, which are equality, simplicity, integrity and peace and generally not being an asshole. Yeah, didn't they embrace oh. gay marriage like before anybody else, before any other mainstream religion? Yeah, oh, I really? think so, yeah. yeah. Oh, so they're but not they're like in the Dark Ages, like... No, I think, of... I think um, you might be mixing them up with the Amish a lot. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people do that. that. Yeah. Yes. They have I'm a kind of, of similar, big... similar simple vibe, don't they? Yeah. yeah. I'm totally mixing them up with the Amish. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to both peoples. I do get it, though, because I think the oats thing would confuse you. Yeah, right? because the, yeah, the guy in the quick road looks Amish, or what you think what an Amish person yeah. looks like. So it, the branding is all mixed up. They need to differentiate more. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, Get a different beard. Yeah. And so I asked as well, uh, what does a meeting involve? And Chris said, Quakers share silence together. That came from a belief in the 16th century, which is when Quakerism was kind of invented. Like there were a couple of groups of disparate Christians um, that kind of just wanted to be nice. And they all sort of came together um, and they became called the Quakers. Oh, um, that seems so, really nice. I know, right? So the silent meetings came from a belief that everyone could have a direct connection to God. You didn't know the Pope or a priest or whoever it was to tell you what to believe. You could just work it out yourself. Um, and nowadays, Quakers often, I think it varies depending on like which type of Quaker you are, but Quakers often meet for an hour of silence during which anyone can speak whenever they want so like if everyone wants to sit in silence that's totally cool if you want to speak up you can do that uh, and he says they might share stories poems or prayers for others mm, it's a proper introvert religion isn't it mm. yeah sort of it's never going to have that sort of like stadium evangelical Christian but thing but I kind of you know? like that no I love that because it's much yeah. more about like it's much more internal you it's go much to gospel about, church like... on a Saturday night and a Quaker on a Sunday morning <laughs> like, I guess you could do yeah you know because the high energy ones are great when you if you're feeling like that, but this just sounds like a nice, yeah, like a nice cup of tea. But I kind of feel like you could probably take on a lot of like the Quaker stuff um, without necessarily being religious. Um, so I asked Chris as well, how like how strong is that link between being religious and being a Quaker? Um, and he said the origin of the word religion, as in Quakerism as a religion, uh, the origin of the word religion is all about being joined together. So in that sense, Quakers are religious, which I think is a nice thing to say. Mm. He says uh, we're a community of faith and belief. And today that community includes atheists and many non-Christians. Increasingly, we are held together by celebration in the diversity of our beliefs. Oh, right. So it's not, yeah, it's not like you can't be one of us because you are from a different sect of Christianity yeah. or something. Yeah, it's like, oh, you can still be a Quaker and be Muslim or oh. Christian or whatever. Um, he says it's about, it's more about friendships and relationships between people. And there's a sense hmm. of commitment to community together. Well, they sound like they're leading the way. I know. And they're also like activists as well. They fight for justice and truth, which is nice. Like they all kind of want to do nice things. Oh, this is great. Well, come on, there has to be a dark side here somewhere. I know Richard Nixon was a Quaker. Yes, Richard Nixon was a Quaker. Judy Dench is a Quaker. Dawn French. Ooh, Sheila really? Hancock. Yeah. James Dean. James Dean was a James Quaker? James Dean what? was a Quaker. He was like 28 when he died. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and then I asked because well, <laughs> um, Chris is young and my friend David is young and he's he's dabbled. I think he's dabbled. Really? It's fair to he's say. He's quaked. Qu- he's quaked once or twice. Um, and so I was interested. I was like, oh, is it kind of, uh, are there a lot of more young people coming to Quakerism? Because like a lot of the stuff that they do, like sort of, you know, mindfulness and mm. activism is like what 
millennials like to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, taking time to think about yourself and the environment. Checking and in with yourself. Making yeah. the world better for other people and having a sense of community. Like, it all makes total sense if you were to say that's like a millennials mm. group or whatever. Ooh. Yeah, I think those are definitely the more positive attributes of m- millennials, right? Yeah, exactly. That's like what we all aspire to. Yeah. <laughs> but d- don't necessarily get around to. Um, but he says, I'm the only Quaker in my family and most of my friends aren't Quakers, so I often get asked about this. Anyway, I started hearing this line that more you know, young people are getting into Quakerism uh, a few years ago, and that got me interested in Quaker renewal and opening up our community. It was like, if I was religious, I'd be a Quaker, which I'm kind of thinking now. I'm like, where's, maybe you're a Quaker. Where's the downside, guys? Um, <laughs> as Quakers begin to change and embrace the modern world, it seems that more and more young people are becoming interested. There have been five new young adult Quaker groups over the last year or so. The National Young Adult Organization is seeing its highest attendance in over a decade. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And then as well, I don't know if you saw over the weekend, there was a whole thing about the revision of the book, the Quaker book. It was like on the news and stuff. No, um, no. And so I was like, what does that mean? Um, And he said, Quakers don't have a creed or set of beliefs that you have to hold in order to be a Quaker. So the book, which is a collection of writings from Quakers over the last 300 years, is pretty important. It gives a big picture overview of what we believe, largely through writings about what we've done. It also contains all the governance of the organisation. So the revision is a chance to create decision-making structures that are relevant to the modern digital context. So Quakers are coming into the future, guys. Great. Yeah, I actually do know quite a few people who, um, while they're not explicitly Quaker, have been to Quaker meetings meetings because yeah. they've been struggling with stuff and apparently they're incredibly welcoming yeah oh that's also, pretty nice also if, if you google like Quaker Hostel London they have this very very cheap set of rooms that they rent out if you're like if you need to stay in London for like studious purposes uh, and you can't afford to stay in London uh, they will like give you a room for like 50 quid a night oh great Uh, My final question was, what do you think is the biggest misconception about Quakers? And he said, people think we are a weird religious cult who make oats. Neither of these things are true. (laughs) And I think think as well, like I do kind of equate like the Amish and um, Quakers and kind of Scientology. I'm like, oh, it's kind of one of those Mm. things. And actually, Scientology, the more you get into it, the madder it gets. But Quakerism, I'm like, oh, it's kind of really straightforward and doesn't seem to have like a crazy doctrine that sends people insane. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Wow. Maybe that's why you never really hear about Quakerism because like they're never in the news. There's no like Quaker shooter, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're not, they're not necessarily it's not that dramatic, is it? Yeah. It's because they all just love each other, which is nice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so I was kind of like doing a bit of googling as well about Quakers, so kind of being like where where's the where's the butt here? Where's the like weird controversy or the kind of, you know, they locked 10 people in a cellar for 20 years. Um, And I haven't found it yet. But, you know, if you do find it, then maybe let us know. Yeah. Along with your rich person tweet, please tell us about the Quaker controversies. Yes. And your love for Mr. Blobby. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I'm off to join the Quakers, guys. Oh, best of luck. Um, (laughs) I think think the headgear will suit you very much. Mm. (laughs) Um, yeah, thank you so much to Chris Venables for answering my questions over email and also at that party. I'm sorry, I must have bored you to hell. Um, and if you're interested in finding out more about Quakers, I've been asked to send you to at British Quakers on Twitter or Instagram or quaker.org.uk. Well, it's nearly the end of the episode, but before we go, we do have time for a smart lesson. This week's smart lesson is very special because we have guests and because we had to leave the relative safety of the studio to record it. 
Guys, we're in a fancy London hotel room. What's happening? Who are these ladies? We are in a fancy hotel room, yes, with Ema McLeiset and Sarah Breen, who are the authors of a new novel called Oh My God, What a Complete Ashling. <laughs> <laughs> Is that correct? Hi. 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 Thank you, you for coming to my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for inviting us. Yes, it's it's Ashling, and it's very important. It's very important to Ashling to pronounce it right. So I see. Yeah. So now you two are here to host a smart lesson for us, all about how to turn your social media account into a bestseller, which weirdly is what you did with your book. So I guess first off, what is the book about? The book is about a character that Emer and I created many moons ago when we were very hungover one day, sitting under a blanket in our flat, which is what we did every Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> and, and, we Tuesday were, and, <laughs> and we were having a conversation about brown mascara, as in, who is keeping that industry going? <laughs> Why does it exist? And then... Yeah. What is the market for brown mascara? Who are the women who are buying it? It's the women who are buying the bootcut jeans, we decided. Oh, yeah. that is such a mm. perfect analogy. Yeah. I'm, I'm immediately in. <laughs> and then we started adding more and more character traits to this woman. You know, she yeah. buys anything with live, love, laugh written on oh, it. Oh, yes. yes. Fond of an inspirational quote. Yeah. Fond of a, a bit of good drying. So any bit of sun and the clothes are out on the washing line. Yeah. Yeah. She is the woman who writes suits you under pictures of women holding babies on Facebook. Yeah, or kind of nudges people in real life. You're next. You're oh, next. next. Oh. You're next. Oh. Um, the person who minds the handbags on a night out. So we started like putting all these these personality traits into one person and we decided just to call her Ashling. Yeah. And we had no idea <laughs> that this is going to spiral. Ten years later, we will be sitting here in this hotel room. So um, yeah, the book is about Ashling. Uh, we, we picked up her character and... Uh, gave her well she already had kind of a life we've we've known her for 10 years we created her 10 years ago gave her a life gave her some uh, troubles gave her some new experiences small and... t troubles not capital t troubles no <laughs> oh, not yeah. troubles no not not, not those she's troubles. in Belfast yeah. <laughs> the year is 1994 <laughs> day when we were when we started telling our, our inner circle about Ashling, everyone was like oh, I know an Ashling," or I see beside an Ashling in work so Emer created a Facebook page so we could share our Ashlingisms, mm-hmm. um, because this was before WhatsApp and uh, Facebook Messenger and all these kind of things because we're so old we're so old <laughs> but then you know a couple of our friends joined it and then they recommended it to other friends and then slowly it started growing and now it has 50,000 wow. members so that was why I think a publisher came to us and said hey Hey Would guys, you do a book about this? Actually, a book. Yeah. So, um, let's actually talk about what the process is. Like, you've created this like beloved character that like resonates with so many different people in Ireland. And uh, how do you go from like it being just these like small anecdotes in, in Facebook statuses to it being an actual narrative? Well, the, we kind of came at the book deal arseways, so we hadn't <laughs> written anything. We hadn't written any chapters. We didn't have an outline for a novel. Um, and the publisher came to us and said, write a book. And originally, I they probably thought that we were going to do it as a compendium of Ashlingisms and jokes and, you know, it had a few pictures in it. But we said, no, actually, we think we're going to write a novel because we had known Ashling, the character between us and with our friends for so long. We felt like we could turn it into a novel, mm. but we didn't have kind of a storyline or a plot line, so we had to make one up. Right. So we just picked what is the most Ashling-tastic trait, and it is that she's been going out with the same guy for eight years and wants to get married. Mm-hmm. And we just picked that as our jumping-off point. And in the book, it happens quite early on in the book, that, that doesn't happen, and it all goes a bit downhill for Ashling. So we just kind of kept going from there to see where it would take her. We yeah. Did. 
So if they hadn't approached us, we would never have gotten around. We're extremely to it. lazy. We're so lazy. <laughs> um, so we're very grateful that they did because it would never have happened if we were left to up to doing it. <laughs> what, I, what I really love about the intro to what can be Ashling, which is so like um, what the book is about, is like this character Ashling, who's like she is basic, but she's incredibly lovable. And you like the minute you're on the page with her, you're so like you defend her with your life. Do you know what I mean? You oh, don't yeah, want to interfere, like a moment of pain. But then she has that thing. What I think so many women have been through, which is they um she's in a bathroom at a wedding and she hears two girls talking about her and they're very much like taking the piss out of like what she represents as a person to them and it's really quite painful intro but it also it's very much like what the book is about which is like kind of women looking at other women do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. Um, yeah definitely like probably our first uh, introduction to Ashling, me and Sarah when we came up with her was probably a little bit us looking at other women mm -hmm. as Ashlings, but we quickly kind of turned it around so that she was a lovable Irish positive stereotype that we really wanted to to kind of give a voice because I mean there's lots of great Irish fiction and lots of great Irish women's fiction but we didn't think this character had been really represented in it in any kind of humorous or positive way so that's and what we, we wanted to like do. we wanted to make sure that she has a fully rounded life with mm-hmm. friends and she doesn't just go from you know her country house living with her parents to like living with her husband or whatever we wanted to bring her on a bit of a journey yeah um, that I think is kind of relatable yeah, I think so. How how was it work uh, writing a book together? I mean, obviously you're kind of on the same page with things, but was it was it difficult or was that was actually one of probably the easiest parts? And it wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination. But in terms of physically writing the book together, we would just uh, write a chapter each and then come back together and read each other's chapters and go, oh, I thought it was really funny. And oh, we we have a new character there. And then just carry on. And how we started the book was we just decided what was going to happen in the first few chapters and then flipped a coin to see who would write chapter one and who would write chapter two and just started oh, going. Wow. Like we, so had, we, had signed, we had signed a contract. We had to write something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the very few times we were we queried each other, it was just like, do you think she would really say that? Like, given that this has happened. And then it was like, oh, no, you're probably right. And actually, one of the beauties of that kind of system of writing was that in any one chapter, I might introduce a random character just because mm-hmm. I have to fill the word count. <laughs> and that character might end up being a Very major char- So wow. I might write a chapter and introduce a character and then Sarah might take that character and run with it. Or yeah. vice versa. So that is what happened a lot. It's almost like writing your own book, but also reading a book at the yeah. same time. <laughs> yeah, Emer, like when uh, it's funny because we'd come together and share our chapters, and I would be screaming with laughter at her chapters, and I'd be the same for her. But I'd be like, "Mine are shite." Oh my god, <laughs> like, it's so shitted. Nobody look at us. Don't look at me. Read this. Do you have that moment of like, I'm just writing your coattails, you're the funny yeah, one, I'm yeah. terrible. Constantly. 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 This girl's your star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's the one. She's the one. <laughs> but that's like, I'm, I'm so envious in a way because uh, I've got my first book coming out in uh, June, which I'm really excited about. Oh, yes, thanks I cannot God. wait. Thanks very much. Just thought this interview's about me, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, as as wonderful and as exciting experience it is, it is a very lonely one. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've got your agent, you've got your publicist, you've got all these lovely people, but it's Essentially, like you, you're, it's you against the world in a way. Yeah. Like, did you have those moments um, where you were like, maybe you got a dodgy review or something weird happened or whatever, where you were able to turn to each other and be like, oh, thank God you're here. At every moment, we turn to each other and go, thank God you're here. I like, would say at least once a day, we either text or say it out loud to each other. Thank God there's two of us. <laughs> so one of the things that like I loved about the book so much and what 
thousands of other Irish people did as well is just how incredibly specific it is like it's like it's a kind of a sort of a general basicness but also it's so specific and it, it makes you feel so seen to be like oh these are such <laughs> my these are my lived experiences these are the women yeah. I knew the women I know like and it's like so so Irish but now that it's obviously being released in the UK is there a little bit of trepidation around like is this going to translate a little bit a lot <laughs> but we've been assured I mean when we never thought that anyone would read the book outside of our families so the, the fact that it became such a massive success in Ireland like it was it was now we can understand like figures wise how how crazy it was like we sold 11,000 copies on Christmas week last year which is just like yeah. phenomenal and then you were beating out David Williams for number we, one we right? beat him so to Christmas number one yeah. you actually did beat him yeah and yeah. he's like I mean I wasn't following this stuff before we wrote just the like book just like Dustin the Turkey <laughs> be- beloved Irish children's character <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, him to the Eurovision twice, lads. Just so you know, you and he's a turkey. Who? <laughs> um, Dustin the turkey is a puppet. Is a turkey. So we never had like we didn't know if it would translate, and we just kind of accepted that it wouldn't. But then our agent, who is Irish but works in London, was adamant that other people would get it. <laughs> At the time of recording, this is April thirtieth today. Yeah. Um, Ireland votes on May 25th to try and repeal the Eighth Amendment which will allow for uh, women to safely receive abortions in their own country mm-hmm. and uh, this is a topic that actually comes up in the book yeah yes. an unexpected so, one many people thought yeah many people find it quite unexpected so yeah uh, obviously as, as I said when we were writing the book we needed A to fill the word count and we needed a plot and we also wanted to reflect Ireland in 2017 when we were writing the book or just modern Ireland and we couldn't possibly do that especially with a woman Ashling's age without addressing the fact that Irish women can't access abortion safely in their own country they have to come here to the UK and they do it 12 women a day come every day to uh, the UK Liverpool, London are the most popular places so there is an abortion storyline in the book that's not much of a spoiler because we're not going to say too much more about yeah. mm-hmm. where the storyline comes in or who it affects but um it was just very important, I think, for Sarah and I, especially given that we had a platform. We didn't know at the time how big that platform was going to be, but yeah. it has proven to be quite important. I yeah, think. we felt it would have been remiss of us not to include it. And um, also we wanted, like Ashling has had a very privileged life, not in the sense that her family are wealthy or anything, but she's had a very cosy upbringing. So we wanted to push her out of her comfort zone and maybe, I don't know, maybe have her consider people who've gone through things that she might not have yeah you know yeah I think there's there's a bit in the book where and it's something we I actually say to people quite a lot is you definitely know somebody in Ireland who's had an abortion you might not think you do but you definitely do and that's true I think for everyone in Ireland oh definitely and it's crazy at home yeah. now at the moment with all the it's four weeks now to the referendum and it's 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 tough it's hard going Ireland's not an easy place to be at the moment no. like it's mm-hmm. it's it's not the nicest of campaigns it's so fraught in the UK we're hearing a lot of, well I certainly feel like I'm hearing a lot about the yes vote so mm-hmm. I'm like yeah, yeah great but obviously we're not seeing the neck do you agree with that yeah we're um, not really seeing I, a lot of the no completely which is why I think uh and why I'm really glad that this is such a timely interview for us because I don't I think most UK women consider it a shoe in and I don't think women's rights in Ireland is ever a shoe in I think it's always something that's very incredibly hard won which was actually why rereading the book today I was really like moved actually because uh, Ashling is not only from a very cosy upbringing but it's a very like uh classically conservative one where she, you know, she does go to mass sort of once a year but her mum goes to mass every week kind of thing and uh, these, are, these are the typical people who would vote no yeah. who would vote to keep the 8th amendment which prevents women from travelling or from receiving uh, an abortion in their own country and the fact that Ashling has stirred the other side I think I, I thought it was really great that 
she wasn't just somebody who was born and raised in the city. She was somebody who was programmed to vote no. And you know, I know, I know now that Ashling, even though she's fake, she'd vote yes. And yeah. I'm oh, hoping absolutely. that the real Ashlings out there do yeah. vote yes also. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, know? we've with like the Facebook, our Facebook group, which is fifty thousand members, is very pro-choice, and you know, we have a policy there where you can't post your anti-choice nonsense and uh, I know that lots of our uh, listener bases are, are tend to be English women and you might think this is our fight but it's yours as well because you're receiving these women every day in this country and it behooves you to you know stand up for us really mm-hmm. so um, you can donate your money to the abortion support network which helps women arrange that travel you can donate to Mary Stopes which is the same thing and do your best to sort of amplify Irish women's voices to try and get this through yeah. in the next few weeks that would be amazing mm. Thank you guys so much for inviting us to our hotel room. Thanks for coming. (laughs) In a a very non-me too way. (laughs) It's all consensual. Thanks to Ema and Sarah for joining us. Their book, Oh My God, What a Complete Ashling, is out now. So go and buy it. That's it for today, guys. I am glad to report that my spots progress nicely throughout the episode and is now ready for harvesting. Caroline, would you do the honours? With pleasure, my juicy friend. Thanks, as always, to Harry Harris for our jingles, Gavin Day for our logo and Soho Radio Studios for the recording space. Also, special thanks to Chris Venables from The Quakers for answering all my questions. If you have things to say about this episode, please do go and give us an honest review on the Apple Podcast Store or find us on social media at Pod on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We'll be back with a new episode next Tuesday, so until then, goodbye! Bye! See you next Tuesday! Or, or do you know what I'd have? I'd have like one of those really like good pantries where it's just Ooh. like fabulous jams and... Or oh, like, like a sort of Italian, like, yeah. um, you know, sort of Sicilian store. pantry meets Waitrose kind of thing, oh, where it's yeah. just all, all nice olive oils and things. Yes, and like cured meats and stuff. Oh, oh actually, that would be it. That would be, I mean, I'd be a hundred stone, but and like, like pa- that pasta that's in like the yellow and blue bag, and it's yes. from Italy, <laughs> and it's all the weird shapes, the big Correct. shells, the big shells. The, you know, you've made it when you're buying the big shells because they they go with so few dishes. I know. <laughs> You can't have your own mac and cheese with tomato sauce and no, the yeah. shells, can you? God, I love this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and can't, can't, can't wait to see how much Hannah got to that. <laughs> have your big shells in your jacuzzi. Have your big shells. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.